Welcome to this Halloween special of the Haunted UK podcast. The following story is going to be relayed to you exactly as it was written to me. Enjoy and have a happy Halloween. I won't be divulging my real name to you. For my story, I'll use the name Robert Crawford. The following is recounted to the best of my memories of the events that happened. Now, I'm an author of science fiction. I'm 46 years old, fairly fit and healthy, and have a fiancé who I don't currently live with because we're in the process of selling her flat and my two-bedroom house so that we can move in together. The story I'm about to tell you happened around eight months ago. I've had a few books sell quite well, others not so well, but let me tell you this, if you become an author, you'll suffer with writer's block at some point in your career, probably multiple times just like me. How do you cure this? Some writers change their topic. Take Ian Fleming, for instance, the man responsible for bringing James Bond to the pages of a book and then very successfully to the big screen. But did you know that he was also the author of an extremely successful children's book? This was also made into a huge hit movie. That was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Other authors decide to take a break from their surroundings, move out to the country for a while to try and regain their concentration and direction. This was the formula that I decided to try out. Now I'd spoken to my fiance and she was fine about the trip as she was busy at work anyway. Now, I told her that this would probably only be for a week or two at the very most. Arrangements were made, and I began my journey. I'd found a farm that was offering a small cottage for rent in the Peak District, in the Dark Peak area to be specific. I won't go any further into detail than that, and you'll soon realise why. I packed some clothes and essential bits and pieces, then set off, hoping that this trip would somehow unleash the next... Harry Potter or Jurassic Park. From Romsley, the drive to Dark Peak was spectacular. Beautiful countryside, stunning hills and exposed rock faces, coupled with rolling fields of luscious green grass. Pulling up to the farm, I was greeted by Bernie. Well, that's who he introduced himself as. He directed me to the cottage, which was just past the hay barn, and gave me the keys. He also told me that inside the cottage there would be a sheet of paper on the kitchen table that had important phone numbers on, as well as directions to the nearest shops and supermarkets. We're always here, there, about, Bernie said. If you want to taste some good home-cooked food, then just knock the door. You're always welcome. As I unlocked the front door of the cottage, I instantly felt relaxed. My shoulders just seemed to move up an inch or so, releasing the pent-up stress that I'd been feeling for months. The place was lovely. Old, but lovely. After unpacking and choosing my writing room, which was, incidentally, the second bedroom, which looked out towards a huge rock-strewn hill, I decided to get back in the car and make my way to the nearest supermarket. After getting all the essentials I needed, a few curries, bottles of wine, beer, deodorant, I settled down in the living room and switched on the TV. No sense in starting writing this evening, I thought. Plenty of time for that. I only had the pleasure of five TV channels as the television set was very old and couldn't pick up free view. Not a problem, I thought. 
I'd opened a bottle of wine and had soon polished it off, leaving myself feeling quite tipsy when I must have drifted off to sleep. My slumber was soon interrupted by the whole house shaking. I suppose like an earth tremor. I shot up, quickly becoming sober, and ran outside the cottage to see if everything was okay. The shaking stopped after a short while, and all seemed to be fine. Bernie came jogging down the path to make sure I was okay, which I assured him I was. Second one of these this year, he said. Global warming or something like that, he murmured as he made his way back to his house. After an extremely good night's sleep, I woke up to bright sunshine. Breakfast was first on the agenda, and then a good stroll out over the hills to get the blood pumping. Two pieces of toast and a coffee later, I was climbing over a gate and making my way towards that large rocky hill in the distance which I'd seen from my writing room. The air felt so clean and cool, and the views were just breathtaking. If I couldn't get inspiration from a setting like this, I might as well just quit, I thought. The grass and heathers of the hills started to thin out, as more of the rocky terrain started to take their place. As I rounded what seemed like an old pathway, I noticed an opening in the hillside. It was as if the previous night's tremor had sliced the land open, exposing some sort of cave. I made my way up to the entrance and could instantly hear the dripping of water from deep inside. Cool air seemed to flow from the depths of this newly opened cavern, and I wondered if this was some forgotten realm that had been buried by years of weathering and ice ages. Could humans or even Neanderthals have once settled inside this cave system before it had been taken back by nature? I took my phone out of my pocket and switched the camera light on. I peered into the darkness with my arm outstretched, hoping that my phone's light would illuminate the walls and expose some amazing hidden cave paintings, like that of the famous caves in France. No such luck here. Bare rock and darkness were all that greeted me. I decided to take a few steps inside to see if this was a deep cave system or just some dead-end tunnel. To my surprise, it seemed like there was more to this opening than first thought. As I stepped further forward, my foot came down upon something that snapped. I stopped and focused my phone's light onto the floor. Under my foot and as far as the light could penetrate were bones. So many bones. I picked one up and put it in my jacket pocket. If I was going to explore this cave, I'd need a brighter light source and more time. My book seemed to take second stage to the exploration that had been presented to me, and I was wholeheartedly going to see this one through. Turning around, I made my way out of the cave and then dropped a pin on my phone's mapping app. I wouldn't forget where it was now. The walk back to the cottage was just as stunning as the journey up here hours earlier. I saw Bernie in the distance with his sheepdogs, rounding up sheep and doing things that I had absolutely no idea of. Making my way back to the cottage, I saw a woman near the hay barn. She was busily cleaning a piece of farming equipment that looked like some sort of plough or something. She noticed me and gave me a friendly smile and a nod. Hello there, Mr Crawford, she said. I'm Gwen, Bernie's wife. I hear you're the famous author who's renting out our little cottage. She must have sensed the flush of embarrassment on my face as I said, So nice to meet you, Gwen. I really wouldn't say famous at all. Please call me Robert. 
I chuckled and held out my hand to shake hers. She returned the gesture, and we continued chatting. So, what's the new book going to be about? she asked. I'm a keen reader, and I've got two of your books in the house. Very enjoyable. Thank you, Gwen. At least someone bought them, I said laughing. In terms of the new book, I have a few ideas and notes to go by, but I'm not 100% certain which direction it'll take. To be honest, that's the reason I'm here. Writer's block, you see. I'm trying to get inspiration. I pulled the bone fragment out of my pocket and was about to mention where I'd found it when I felt myself stop. If I was going back up there to explore, I wanted this to stay as my discovery. For some reason, I changed my mind. I was out walking right up there earlier this morning, I said, pointing in the direction of the rocky hill in the distance, and I found this bone fragment. Any ideas what animal it's from? Quite a few others are scattered about up there as well. Gwen took the bone in her hands and pretty much instantly said, Sheep's bone, that. Bloody animals go wandering off and get themselves into all sorts of trouble. We've had a few go missing over the years. Cows, too. We've even lost a few dogs. Other farmers and villagers in the area blame the beast. As she said this, she motioned with her hands and put the beast in air quotes. Beast, I replied. You mean like some sort of big cat? Something like that, she said. We've been here farming this land for over 30 years and we've... Well, I've never seen anything. Bernie thought he saw it one night, though. Just as she sensed embarrassment in me earlier, she could now see intrigue wash over me now. A few years ago, she began, Bernie was out here pretty much where we are now. It was quite late, and it had got dark. He was securing a tarp over a piece of equipment which we borrowed from James and Shelley who owned the neighbouring farm over there. As she said this, she pointed to the fields in the distance, but it all looked the same to me. Anyway, she continued, he was securing the tarp when he heard one of the dogs yelp and come running out of that barn. Bloody thing was petrified and ran straight past him, wouldn't even come to him on command. He started to walk towards the barn when he heard, well, he said it was a very low growl. And then this thing came walking out on all fours. Now, don't forget that it was dark and Bernie was a few hundred feet away, but he said that it didn't look like any big cat that he'd ever seen on TV. For a start, he said that it didn't have a tail, and it was much bigger than a puma or a jaguar. Its snout was strange as well. He said more like that of a huge dog. Anyway, Bernie stopped dead in his tracks, and this thing looked straight at him and then bolted for the hills over there. Cleared that gate you climbed over in one jump. Shook Bernie up quite a bit, but that was the only time he saw well it I was stunned almost completely speechless when she continued one too many whiskies if you ask me all absolute bloody nonsense probably just a big dog you know how the imagination can play tricks you get something in your head and next thing it's right in front of you we continued chatting for another minute or so just general small talk then we said our goodbyes and went our separate ways. As I got in the car to go back to the supermarket, my mind was absolutely on fire with the story of Bernie's beast sighting. 
maybe this was the direction the new book could take. I managed to find a small LED torch and also an LED headlamp. I bought some extra batteries and a few snacks and drove back to the cottage. The weather had turned and it had become overcast and had started to rain. Won't be exploring in this, I thought. I got my laptop out and fired it up, hoping that I could make a start on at least an overview of what the new book would be about. My notebook was out as well and I started to draft out some ideas with a view of a creature story. Night came quickly and the rain kept falling. With a fire lit in the living room, the cottage felt even more cosy than before. I could get used to this. A few glasses of wine and a beer or two later, I was fast asleep in the chair. Next thing I knew, daylight was blaring through the windows. Hadn't made it to bed for the second night running. Never mind, I thought. Breakfast and then off. I picked up the torch and the headlamp and exited the cottage, and I almost bumped straight into Bernie, who said he'd been up on the high fields to move some sheep. The air seemed more fresher today, probably due to the rain in the night. Bernie asked where I was heading out to, and I replied that I was going up to the same rocky hill as before as the views were spectacular. He wished me well, and I set off. I'd got a rough idea of where I was heading, but used the map on my phone to get the exact location. Making my way to the front of the cave, I put the headlamp on, checked the torch, and then disappeared inside. About 30 metres in, the roof began to slope, causing me to have to bend down to navigate further. But it was then that I stopped. Where were the bones, I thought. I never got this far in last time, and I was treading all over them, but there was nothing. I decided to backtrack to see if I'd missed them, but no, the floor was completely clear. I must admit, that gave me the creeps, and I was in two minds whether to carry on or to bail out and go back to the cottage and actually begin the project that I'd originally come here to do, start my book. I stood in the cave, completely still, and listened for anything out of the ordinary. But all I could hear was the wind coming into the cave entrance and the sound of dripping water. I decided to go a little deeper and see how I got on, but promised myself not to take any unnecessary risks. The roof began to slope lower and lower, forcing me to get down onto my hands and knees. This lasted for about another 50 metres or so, and I could just about move. I stopped and got my torch out and switched it on. With the double amount of light from the headlamp and torch, I could see that the tunnel was opening up into a huge cavern. I managed to squeeze myself through the tunnel and into this vast sports hall-sized chamber. There was a sheer drop right before me, which was some 20 metres or so down. Crystal clear water reflected the beams of the lights back at me. Looked beautiful, but was most likely extremely cold, I thought. There was a ledge to the right of me, probably a good metre and a half wide, which wound its way all the way over to the opposite side of the cavern. That'll certainly do, I quietly said to myself, and stood up and gave the ledge a light stamp, just to make sure that it was solid. That's when I heard it. A deep-sounding, distant growl, and then movement. 
I froze, and for a moment, didn't know what to do. I turned my lights off and stayed completely still. I don't think I've ever seen darkness like that before. The blackness was utterly impenetrable, and I felt completely alone and totally vulnerable. I could hear movement in the distance, and then another deep growl. And whether it was something to do with the acoustics of the cavern, I was sure that whatever this thing was, it was circling around towards me. Then there was quite a loud clawing sound, and then the sound of debris hitting the water below. This thing was getting closer and closer, and I could feel panic welling up inside me. As quietly as possible, I started to move backwards towards the tunnel on my backside. My head hit the tunnel entrance, and I lowered myself to fit through and then stopped. Complete silence. Where the hell was it? As quietly as possible, I dragged myself further back into the tunnel and then stopped again. I decided that I was going to turn around, turn my headlamp on and see how far back I needed to crawl before I could at least stoop. I switched on the headlamp and the situation exploded in a split second. A huge roar deafened me as right in front of me a creature that I can only describe as a huge grey black wolf-like dog snapped its massive jaw. It had somehow got its head, one of its arms and its shoulder through the gap in the small tunnel. I say arm, as this thing didn't have what I would call a paw attached to its limb. It was more like a large, hair-covered human hand with large claws. It quickly reached out and grabbed my right leg just above the ankle. I screamed as its strength was incredible, and it began to try and pull me back into the cavern. I gripped the sides of the tunnel and kicked out as hard as I could with my left leg, causing this creature to roar and growl even louder. In a complete blind panic, I felt around the floor for anything that I could get my hands on and grabbed hold of a jagged rock, about the size of a large smartphone. I immediately hit the creature above its snout, near its eye. It howled out in pain and let go of my leg. With all of my force, I then brought the rock down on its hand and heard a breaking sound. Again, this thing let out another huge roar and then quickly backed away into the cavern. My leg was bleeding quite badly from where the creature's hand had dug its claws into the base of my calf. But all I could think about was crawling as fast as I could back to the cave entrance and to safety. It seemed like an eternity to get back to where I could see daylight, and all this time the thing in the cavern was letting out pained howls. As I limped towards the cave's entrance, I could see that it was raining quite heavily and starting to get dark. My initial fear was that the creature knew of multiple entrances and exits to this cave system, and it would only be a matter of time before it would track my scent to this location, or worse, manage to squeeze its way through to the tunnel and make its way here, to the entrance where I was. At the same time, it would take me at least three hours to get back to the cottage. This is where I would be on open ground and an easy target, but I had no idea what this creature was. In my worst nightmares, I'd never seen anything that looked like that, and the main thing that really made my skin crawl was the fact that its eyes... its, its eyes looked... human. I made the decision to take my chances out in the open. I made a point of finding and picking up a rock from the cave entrance, 
that I felt could deal the most damage if I was forced to confront the creature again. The fabric of my trousers on the lower half of my right leg was torn to shreds and soaked in blood. I took my jacket off so that I could remove my t-shirt and use it to wrap around the injuries to help stop the blood and to stop most of the dirt getting into the deep cuts. Once this was done, I put my jacket back on and headed for the cottage. My phone still had plenty of battery left in it, so I was prepared to hunker down and phone the emergency services if I felt that I couldn't make it back. As I began to make my way down the hill, I noticed out of the corner of my eye a figure in the distance. I waved frantically at this individual, but got no response. I needed to keep moving. After what seemed like hours, I climbed the gate at the edge of the farm and stumbled to the doorway of the cottage. I unlocked the door, got in, relocked it and bolted it. I went to the back door and made sure that it was also secure. I then checked the windows and, after I was happy that everything seemed locked down, I got myself into the bathroom and tended to my injuries. My leg would definitely need stitches, but this could wait until tomorrow. I'd cleaned and patched it up pretty well and I was quite comfortable. What I needed now was a drink. I limped into the kitchen and grabbed a glass and a bottle of wine when I suddenly saw a figure flash past the window. I turned the kitchen light off and grabbed a knife from the drawer. Who the hell was that? And what were they doing out at this hour? And in this weather? I went into the living room and was about to sit down when there was a loud, forceful bang on the front door. I froze, and sat there in the chair, hoping that whoever or whatever it was would go away. No chance of that. Another loud bang hit the front door. I crept up to the small window by the front door and took a look outside. It was Bernie. I let out a huge sigh of relief, unbolted the door and invited Bernie inside. But he just stood there. And then he revealed the shotgun that he had behind his leg. Everything okay, Bernie? I asked nervously. You look like you've been in the wars, Mr. Crawford, he said. If I were you, I'd put that knife down, get a coat, and come with me. There was a brief moment of silence between us. What's this all about, Bernie? You you don't need the gun. I said. At that moment, he lifted the shotgun and idly let the barrel drop onto his right hand, pointing it directly at me. You really need to think about what you're going to do next, Mr. Crawford. I'm only going to ask you one more time. Put the knife down, grab a jacket, and come with me. Bernie was deadly serious, and I had no plans on seeing how far I could push him. Bernie, okay, okay, okay. Let me grab my coat and I'll come with you. Just lower the gun. There's no need to use it. Please. I said very calmly. I put my coat on and stepped out into the darkness. The rain was really heavy now and the wind had also become stronger. Bernie motioned me to walk towards the barn. The same barn where he had had his sighting of the creature. As we both entered the building, there was a dim light that just about gave us a little vision. He pointed to a bale of hay, and I walked over to it and sat down. 
You had an encounter today, didn't you? said Bernie. I'm not sure what you're talking about, I said, trying to deflect the situation. Don't lie to me. Don't lie to me. Do you have any idea what you've done, Mr Crawford? Do you have any clue what kind of predicament you've put me into now? Bernie was becoming more and more agitated. Bernie, I I didn't know what was in that cave. I, I, I didn't know that that... That thing was going to be in there, I said. So you did see it then, Bernie shouted. Yes, I did. I saw it. And it tried to kill me. Just as you're probably going to do now. Bernie laughed. You people come here and disturb the balance. You mess with things and cause damage and you don't even realise it. Hundreds of years. That's how far back this goes. Hundreds of years. With that, Bernie reached down and opened up a large trapdoor in the floor of the barn. Bernie pointed the gun back at me and told me to get up. You're coming with me, Mr Crawford. Bernie motioned me towards the trapdoor. As I approached it, I could see a set of stone steps descending into a dimly lit tunnel. I made my way down and Bernie followed. The tunnel was around five feet wide and seven feet high, and there was a crude string of doll lights hanging from the ceiling every twenty feet or so. I began to turn around to try and reason with Bernie, but he just raised the gun again and told me to keep moving. We must have been walking for around two or three minutes when Bernie told me to stop. Around ten feet away on the left of the tunnel was a door. It looked like it had been made from an old gate and I could see light coming from underneath it. Bernie fiddled around for some keys and then told me to walk just past the door and stop. I did as he asked and waited for him as he unbolted the door, then motioned me to go inside. The room was around 12 feet square and against the far wall was a single bed with a cupboard next to it. On the cupboard was a large bowl with what looked like bloodied water inside it and a towel next to it but it was the bed that disturbed me the most. There was something under the woolen blankets. Something roughly the size of a human being. Something that was breathing. All types of thoughts were rushing through my mind at this moment. What was it? Had Bernie kidnapped someone and was now in trouble? Was he a murderer? Bernie pulled the covers back. Is that Gwen? I said. A figure that looked like Gwen was lying on the bed on her side with her back to me, facing the wall. Bernie brushed past me and gently rolled the figure onto its back. It was Gwen, but there was something badly wrong. She was unconscious with her hand bandaged and a dressing over one eye and partially down her cheek. Blood had seeped through this dressing. What's going on, Bernie? Is she okay? I asked. She's sedated, in a lot of pain. Because of you, he replied. Because of me, I said. I don't understand. I don't expect you to understand, Mr Crawford. You have no idea what you've stumbled into. Bernie leaned the shotgun up against the bottom of the bed 
and sat down next to Gwen. We've always been so careful, always made sure things were right. We weren't to know that one of those tremors would expose the caves. Apart from the barn, there's only one other way out, and I blocked that off years ago. It's not down to the full moon, you know. It's down to hunger. I stood there, stunned, trying to take in and digest what was being described to me. Bernie, I said, the creature that was in the cave, are you saying it's Gwen? How the hell is that possible? Creature, said Bernie, turning his head towards me, it's still my Gwen. This bloodline has been flowing for hundreds of years. We can't help who we are, Mr. Crawford. We can only learn to accept it and live with it. I protect her. When the urge to feed becomes uncontrollable, she's brought down here, with live food. She has the run of the cave system until the urge is over. One night, Bernie continued, she needed to feed, so, as usual, she was sedated, brought down here, along with one of our animals, and I left her to do what she needed to do. Problem was, I'd forgot to lock the trap door in the barn. She found a way out, almost killed one of the dogs and ran off into the darkness. I was searching the hills for hours. I finally tracked her down not far from the village, so I had to tranquilize her again and get her back to the farm as quickly and as quietly as possible. That was the evening that you saw the beast, I said. Bernie frowned. Gwen told me about your sighting. I never would have believed Bernie cut me off. Believed what, Mr. Crawford? That there's some sort of shape-shifting real-life werewolf roaming around these hills and fields? Well, no one's going to find out now, are they? What are you talking about, Bernie? I can be quiet. I won't utter a word to anyone, I swear. As I said this, I gripped the bowl of bloody water. Bernie slowly stood up, still with his back to me, and said, I know you're not going to talk. You're going to be her next kill. She'll be awake soon. He then reached for the shotgun, and at that moment I smashed the bowl into the side of his face. He dropped the gun and instantly fell to the floor with his hands covering his face. Blood started to make its way through his fingers. I quickly grabbed the gun and then heard a low growl. I looked at Gwen and saw her nose and jaw starting to extend and then her teeth starting to lengthen. I ran out of the room, shut the door, bolted it, then began to run back to the barn. I could hear loud growls, screams, horrible noises back down in that tunnel. I had to get out as quickly as possible and then get away. I climbed the steps to reach the barn and then slammed the trap door. There was a large open padlock on a stall just a few feet away. I folded the latch over the trapdoor and closed the padlock. Now to get back to the cottage. I ran like hell from the barn and back to the cottage, and it was pouring down. The night had settled in. I grabbed as much of my stuff as possible and shoved it in bags, then got hold of my phone, laptop and car keys and ran for the car. As I opened the boot and threw everything in there, I heard the trapdoor in the barn beginning to bang.
as if something was trying to get out. I wasn't going to hang around to find out how long that trapdoor would hold out for. I put the shotgun down in the living room, turned off the lights, locked the front door, and shoved the cottage keys through the letterbox and threw them as far as I could. I started the car and drove away. This wasn't some sort of movie script where a a locked gate was going to stop me leaving and I had to go back to the barn to find a key. This was real. I just got onto the road and drove. I didn't care which direction and hadn't put a location into my phone's sat-nav. I just drove as far away as possible. After driving for around 40 minutes, I decided to pull into a lay-by and get the sat-nav on. I was going to head home as quickly as possible. I finally made it home in the very early hours, unloaded the car and just dumped everything into the living room. Out of complete fear and paranoia, I must have checked that the doors and all of the windows were locked at least ten times. I grabbed a bottle of beer from the fridge and a kitchen knife from the drawer. I lay on the sofa in the dark, trying desperately to make sense of the whole situation. It simply couldn't have been real. But how could that have been faked? Morning came quickly, and I needed to get to the hospital to get my legs seen to by a doctor. A few hours and some butterfly stitches later, I was on my way back home. I called my fiancé to let her know that I was back and that the trip was cut short because I simply wasn't connecting to the environment. It wasn't helping my concentration at all. I wanted to come back to a familiar setting and try again. What was I supposed to say? Tell the truth? I never went back to the farm, the village, the area. Never. And I never will. Obviously, Bernie and Gwen are made-up names. I'm not mad enough to put anybody else in danger. For all I know, both of them could have died down in that tunnel. But there was never any news, never any discoveries. Well, that's it. Hopefully, the end. Thank you for the story, Robert. And thank you all for listening. Happy Halloween. Take care. Stay safe. And I'll see you all for season two.